0: Hello! Welcome to Dragon Babies. I'm Grace, and you learned a little bit about me (laughs) in the first episode, but today I'm here with my podcast partner, my sister, Madeline. Hello! Um, Madeline has her own approach to fantasy that, I mean, has been pretty similar to mine because we are siblings after all, but do you want to just tell us a little bit more about how fantasy
1: affected your childhood and your current adulthood yeah uh so when uh, we were little I remember uh one of my first non-kids books that my mom read to us it was uh, The Hobbit and we would all yeah. get in my mom's big bed and she would read us a chapter and she she even did some voices some yeah, yeah. I mean I feel like my first representation of Gollum was I was just thinking of
0: Gollum <laughs> Our mom did <gave> Gollum <laughs> It, that was, like, amazing. That was an amazing thing, especially for the character that Gollum has become, not just in the cartoons, which obviously we experienced before the live-action films, yeah. but Andy Serkis, who we're now all obsessed with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but sorry, anyway. <laughs> no, started no, with it,
1: Mom's Gollum. Uh, yeah, and then um, most of my, well, a good bit of my uh, young adult fantasy then came from Grace because I would nick her books or she would... Um, give them to me to read uh, and one of my favorite things to do is when we would go to the bookstore and uh, my mom would just let us buy a ton of books. Like we'd oh go to Borders God, yeah. and go straight to the <laughs> fantasy section and just load up the richest I ever felt mm-hmm. in my life, probably just like clutching that huge stack of fantasy of books. Also shout out to Borders RIP
0: <sighs> because, oh, and yeah. Crown books too. I mean, those are both really important yeah. to me and they do not exist. Yeah. And it's really bizarre that Barnes & Noble is the one that That won out.
1: Because we never went to Barnes & Noble.
0: Barnes & Noble always seemed like a wimpy little, just like, second best bookshop to me. I think it just
1: made it because it was cheaper to run. Yeah, because it was crappy. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was crappy. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sorry, please continue. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, throughout my uh, childhood, we, we were so into fantasy. And it wasn't just books. It was... Uh, movies, video games, we uh, have and had an incredibly important relationship with The Legend of Zelda. Um, spent a lot of time playing Ocarina of Time together as kids. Uh, and then as I started to go through puberty and terrible things were happening, I... Just a great time. <laughs> really great time. For, for all of for us. For everyone. Uh, I had these universes that I would be able to escape to and still one of my fondest memories of like uh, junior high uh, was when we would have book fair which I don't even really understand what book fair was but they would just bring all these (laughs) books and set them up in the parish center and then we could buy them at an inflated price (laughs) with our parents money.
0: (laughs) Well and those book fairs so I don't know Maybe I'm dating myself, but when I was in grade school, we had those Scholastic book papers that would yeah. come in that were like these little, ma- like magazine inserts. I insert remember ads, those, uh-huh. and you could take them home and force your parents to order one for you. That's yeah. actually how we first got The Sims because it was being advertised. Oh. <laughs> One of those pants. How fits. weird! No, I know, and that's I brought a it home. It's a very adult-themed game. I convinced mom that it was an educational <laughs> game. Oh, that's
1: amazing! That's incredible. <laughs> that's why we got the Sims. Yeah, I appreciate our, that. <laughs> our
0: parents were, um, initially at least, really strict about much, the, yeah. the kind of content that we could consume. Um, like we we couldn't watch Power Rangers, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, we had very
1: few games. They, I mean they vetoed all that after a while and Nickelodeon we weren't allowed to watch it anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then
0: Rugrats was too much <laughs> at some point. Yeah, it it all um I mean it ebbed and flowed. Yeah. But it's uh, yeah, we didn't we didn't have a lot of exposure to the kinds of things that I think a lot of nineties kids experienced. Yeah. Um but I think that's just another reason why fantasy novels were so Mm -hmm. important and I do really appreciate that our mom at least really pushed us to read
1: yeah yeah I was a super awkward loner um in junior high especially I mean and continuing into high school and it was just so wonderful to have these fantasy worlds to escape into um especially ones where the they had heroines instead of heroes um just because I could, you know, I would use it as a cipher and insert myself into it mm-hmm. and have all these imaginations of myself as the, the true hero or the fairy queen or, <laughs> you know, the mage, just yeah, any kind totally. of main yeah. character, I would be able to imagine that it was me. Episode 1,
0: Sabriel, by Garth Nix. So just for a brief summary for those who may not have read Sabriel for a while or who have made the huge mistake of not reading it, but Get listening on to that. a podcast about it, <laughs> you weirdos. Um, this is a book about a young adult. She's 18 mm-hmm. when the book begins and she's just finished her schooling Um, whose father is the ambassador between the worlds of the living and the dead, and his title is the Abhorsen. At the book's outset, Sabriel's father sends her a message in the form of a dead creature, which he can command from within the world of the dead, Um, who shows up and makes an insane mess in the girls' dormitories, and everyone is terrified, um, rightfully so. But this shows Sabriel that it's time for her to go find out what's wrong. Um, and then she embarks on a, an enormous quest that crosses from the area she's living into the old world, uh, where magic is plentiful and there are zombies everywhere. Um they essentially, I don't think
1: they ever call them. Zombies. No, yeah, I'm
0: I'm just using the term zombies in kind of a flippant way because it'll you know up our cred talking <laughs> about zombies. Um, but yeah, the book refers to them by a few different
1: names depending on their type, essentially. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just a lot of times it just says the dead. Or the dead. A dead yeah. creature nearby. Yeah, capital exactly.
0: D. Um, which I always found. Really frightening. Reading this book it's as a very as a scary. kid, I definitely would have nightmares stemming from it, and I would try not to read it before bedtime. Mm-hmm. Um, reading it back now, I'm still afraid, but I don't. It doesn't take control of me in the same way.
1: But it's just atmospherically frightening. It
0: is, yeah. It really, really is. Um, in a way that I found on reread really impressive. One thing that I wanted to discuss is just the moment that stuck with us um, from reading this as kids, and whether that moment really had the same impact when we reread it, um, or if there's something else that you thought was a little bit more powerful. Uh, but for me, what always stayed with me was the uh, Sabriel's first book, um, freezing journey when she goes from the wall to her dad's house. Um, When she has almost nothing to eat, um, it is just completely frigid, like to the point where she is, you know, in danger of suffering frostbite. And there are increasingly alarming dead creatures following her, including the mordicant. Mm-hmm that manages to break through spelt doorways Mm -hmm. and continue to pursue her. And that ultimately has to be completely flooded to Mm -hmm. even give up. Yeah. And I feel like it's also just a great, um, it's a great tell of what's to come in this book for just how persistent these creatures are and Mm -hmm. how big the evil that they're going to be dealing with is. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like so many YA fantasy novels, um, there are a lot where the stakes aren't quite high enough for me um, or the evil force. Like the author doesn't want it to be too scary. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to freak people out mm-hmm. because they're children. Um, but this book is, is frightening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: that journey stayed with me this time too. So... When uh, I reread it this time, I recall just how, uh, how sort of firmly it starts out in a much more, um, it, it feels much more like a Victorian setting uh, with like maybe mm. a little element of fantasy yeah. in there. And it seems, it's one of those things um, where it starts out, it, it's in the real world and then, like maybe there's some secret magic stuff going on, but you don't like actually know. And then things get very real, very quickly as she progresses into the old kingdom, and suddenly you you understand that what the old kingdom is and how very different from Steer it is. Um, and it's really interesting that it starts out in a world and really starts crafting a world that the book is not about mm-hmm. like the book is about the old kingdom. And yeah. there's this sort of like, we must protect Anselstere from the old kingdom feeling, but then there's also the old kingdom is its own entity. And it's like a, this totally separate place, um, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed having this literally they are next to each other. They're divided mm-hmm. by a wall, by a line, um, of this other place where like magic exists and thrives.
0: I think that they, that Garth Nix, to great effect uses the military when they're in Anselstier um, showing that once they get close to the wall, they're useless. I mean, mm-hmm. their weapons don't work. They freak out and they don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and even the like mages in the military right. know that their place is just not in the Old Kingdom beyond the wall.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, even those who have studied the Charter mm-hmm. and are Charter Mates and the Mages. The Charter, which is the like source of power that flows through the mm-hmm. Old Kingdom. Yeah. The Charter's a little confusing. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, I, I still really, really love that switch from the New World back into the Old. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Especially because... It is
1: Sabriel's home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but she hasn't, she's been raised in the mm-hmm. mostly non magical world, mm-hmm. but close to the magical world, but close enough where magic still bleeds through. I was, I'm not certain if this is explicitly mentioned in the book, but it sort of brings it back around to the idea that um, I feel like there's this, this duty on the abortion not only to be. A, in and around the Old Kingdom and resting the dead in the Old Kingdom, mm-hmm. but, like, there's these helpless... um They're kind of like muggles, yeah? yeah. In steer that just have no idea what they're doing, and if they didn't have the Abhorsen helping them from the Old Kingdom, they would be so
0: screwed. It, Yeah, it's, they would it's be stunning how screwed. unprepared they are.
1: They can't handle it at all.
0: Even the mental burden of having to acknowledge that these creatures exist. And I mean, I know by the end of the book, um, there's you know an incredibly powerful evil force mm-hmm. yeah, that's it's coming not through. a it's not a
1: routine thing. No. <laughs> yeah.
0: But the soldiers are, like, their knees buckle, they vomit, they cannot physically handle. And so many of them I mean, die. Even, oh my gosh, almost everyone dies I think at the so, end of the yeah. book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just even when they're approaching... Okay, this is gonna be another pronunciation. R- Rogier? Roger. Honestly, I just said I just said Roger. I, yeah. Okay. Well, he's Roger now. We're we're normalizing him to take away a little bit Sorry. of his, Sorry, his guy. evil evil power. <laughs> Real um Rogier. Yeah. Uh, even when they're approaching his, you know, holding coffin, like mm-hmm. they can't do it. And it's such a funny visual them just dropping like flies mm-hmm. as they try to um,
1: literally puking from yeah, just horror the, just their
0: bodies turning inside out. It was kind of interesting to see this force that is just utterly helpless mm-hmm. against yeah. the real evil in the yeah. world. Because mm-hmm. what does that military do? Like, who are they? fighting against they're just protecting the people
1: i guess that this isn't something that i really thought about so either they're a police force Mm -hmm. and or there are um nations besides Mm -hmm. incel right um bordering it on other sides you know besides the wall
0: right yeah because the map is very limited for incel i kept looking back at it wondering how extensive that area of land is Mm -hmm. and our apologies if this is covered in other books um in this series we haven't read them all um because i mean at the time when we first got this we were only three there were only three and uh we didn't really have the means to figure out everything that existed um we weren't computer folks yet (laughs) So.
1: we were not allowed to use much internet <laughs> no. in those days
0: <laughs> No, we were not um yeah so that that does make sense but the, the map is almost hilariously old kingdom centric yeah it there is like an inch a tiny bit of covering anselstier
1: mm-hmm. on the south side of the wall so which which i like i like that yeah. they in this book at least mm-hmm. again apologies if they cover this more in succeeding books um I really like that they just leave it kind of vague because it's like it starts yeah. out in Ansel's but it's not about Ansel's It's about the Old Kingdom. Like it starts out in this like reality-based place, and then you go through the closet, you know, across the wall into all of this this awesome magical goodness or badness, as it were.
0: And the Old Kingdom is a million times more interesting. Mm. I mean, rereading this at the start, I had a moment of like. Oh, is this book not as good as I remember? <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna be like, okay, whatever. But once Sabriel crosses the wall, things kick into high gear and do not calm down yeah. for the rest. Instantly. of mm-hmm. Instantly, I'm. I think there are only a few times when anyone even sleeps. Mm. I mean, with the exception of when they're down in the pit. No, I mean that's a stuck. that's
1: a running theme that mm. Sabriel is exhausted, so tired. <laughs>
0: Tired, hungry, filthy, just not hurt. Yeah, injured, bleeding. (laughs) I mean, it's just another reason that, yeah, I made a note that Sabriel has Link level stamina. Ah, mm. get ready for a lot of Zelda references. It's gonna happen, guys. Zelda and Um, Lord of the Rings, just they're gonna come (laughs) into this a lot. (laughs) They flow through all of us, Um, whether we know it or not. Uh, yeah, I mean, she and she is the hero and the hero's journey is never easy. Mm-hmm. but she really just gets slapped down. Yeah, she's at like a half and heart
1: and limping for most of the story.
0: And I think it's so incredible that, I mean, I, I know that there is a certain amount of um, agency that's just been genetically inherited mm-hmm. by her because she is the abhorson and she's going to be better at this kind of magic dealing with the dead mm-hmm. than anyone else um but she's expected to perform magic that is greater than anyone else's
1: and that her father has spent decades honing and practicing mm-hmm. so he's very good at it and she's 18 and uh you just get this feeling she wasn't supposed to be the Abhorson yet like i i kind of figured that he was going to bring her back after she graduated from the school and then mm-hmm. start teaching her the abortion things but uh it's definitely, kind of haywire
0: well and it gets really grim when you get to those smaller towns later in
1: the book like the fishing
0: town yeah. that they crash land mm-hmm. outside of where these are people in the old kingdom mm-hmm. so they should have received at least some kind of schooling on how to deal with well situations of like a much lesser magnitude yeah. than what's happening mm-hmm. but they're, they're also hopeless. They've taken shelter in the caves off of the ocean so they can mm-hmm. try to put some running water between themselves and the dead. Yeah, And they, ex- they expect Sabriel to be able to save them.
1: From complete annihilation. There's actually about 30 of them left, I yeah. think, when she finds them after yeah. this village that you imagine was at least a couple hundred people. Mm-hmm. So they've experienced mass death in this town.
0: And it's also so sinister Mm -hmm. that the uh, that one of the men there with them is has been you know infected he's being possessed by a dead
1: thing and she can't manage to save him
0: I just and that's another moment in the book where I paused and felt that it is a lot darker than most other young adult books definitely
1: I I really appreciate that I just think it's a it's a very um I don't know. If since the subject matter, I mean death is such a heavy presence in this mm-hmm. book, it would have been a real tragedy to neuter it and not oh, yeah. make it this scary and sinister.
0: Yeah. And I think I think it functions really well as a way for teens, young adults, what have you, to ask larger questions mm-hmm. about life and death um i know it's in this very uh like personified dead world where you literally have a figure as you cross into death and Mm -hmm. you know it's it's approaching like spirituality in a very concrete way i would say because Mm -hmm. your body is you Mm -hmm. even after you die yeah um which is very different school of thought than many other approaches to Mm -hmm. to the afterlife um but one of my questions for both of us um was about whether there actually is a total lack of an afterlife because time and time again we see um, these creatures um who are fighting to stay in the world of the living. And there's just such a reluctance to move through death's waters. Whereas I feel like the way the waters are structured, it could also um, be a release. It could mm-hmm. be something positive. Like you are carried along the current mm-hmm. to something, but nobody ever addresses that or
1: talks about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in my mind, this is a construct that I started formulating when I read it a long time ago, and then it sort of was brought back as I was reading it this time, um, I, along with just the fact of how into this book I was. I've, I asked for, like, bells for yeah, I really Yeah, I, I really wanted to bring that up. A ton of bells. Madeline yeah. requested hand
0: bells as a Christmas present Yeah, um, so that she could pretend that she had the seven bells yeah they um, were, and they they were pretty nice good bells. um yeah. replicas yeah. i mean they're not actually replicas they were like colorful yeah bandbells.
1: that's what i was bummed about i was like oh these aren't like metal and you know artifact looking <laughs> and they didn't come with well, a bandolier
0: i i know <laughs> <laughs> and they don't summon the dead or send them into the waters forever Too bad um i did see on garth mix's facebook that there are charms of the different bells available. Oh. I don't know where you can actually buy them. He was Etsy. It was a giveaway. That we can yeah, but I bet Etsy. there's something. So. Oh, man, I haven't yeah. Etsy Google. this We should book. revisit this. I'm some. about to
1: spend a lot of money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> money she doesn't have
1: as a law student. Exactly. <laughs> um, but but anyways, yes, t- returning to that. Uh, so I remember starting to think about it. They... Again, pardon me if I'm wrong, or if they get into this in succeeding books, but just discussing this book and the mythos that this book creates, um, they don't explicitly talk about a heaven or a hell. Uh, there is no idea of what happens after the final mm-hmm. gate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really assumed what is beyond the final gate is really oblivion right of the spirit. Right. And uh, um a sort of reincarnation, but not a reincarnation meaning like it's your spirit or anything. Mm-hmm. More a reincarnation in the way that uh, molecules of air are reincarnated mm-hmm. as they are breathed in and out of different lungs. It's a recycling b- of matter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Because their spirit uh, dissipates and goes back into sort of just the magic that underruns everything. Um, and, you know, obviously, like, you know, that magic will dissipate, be recycled as molecules, atoms are um, in our universe. Uh, so uh, I think that that's what, you know, it could be very comforting and mm-hmm. just tranquil and, an, an acceptance of that oblivion after a, a life well lived mm-hmm. for someone going down the river um, or if someone a spirit just doesn't they, they can't fathom that oblivion or they won't really just want to hang on to their power or it's something in life then that's what would drive them to resist that like, sometimes for centuries right like thrall mm-hmm. yeah um, thralk. I think thralk. <laughs> I think it's Thralk. Thralk, <laughs> Thralk,
0: please go <laughs> in, Thralk, and let us know your real name. Um, yes, the creature who first is he the first one to threaten Sabriel once I she's over so. the wall?
1: And when I was reading it, I was trying to be like, is that is that the Mordecans or mm-hmm. is this? But mm-hmm. Thralk is much more like he's the he's definitely more like an orc, than right? A, right, exactly. Than a Balrog, right? Exactly. <laughs> Perfect
0: analogy. <laughs> I also love the way that it depicts life and death and what maybe comes later. I mean, I think it aligns pretty well with my own feelings. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, I don't believe that there is a series of (laughs) intensifying waterfalls that we all need to pass through. We should
1: start a religion like that. (laughs) We would get to ring the bells a lot. And we'd get awesome-looking ones. we could wear cloaks with silver
0: keys. Oh, oh my gosh. No,
1: I'm, mean... like, convinced already. <laughs> At the end. Sign me
0: up for this yeah, cult. Let us know if you're interested. <laughs> we will start putting it together. <laughs> um, we don't have a talking cat, but... <sighs> um, just expanding on death, I'm curious about exactly what you picture the water's looking like Mm -hmm. like if you see them as a soothing place or a frightening place um, or just a generic in between I mean we get descriptions of the traps that await at the different levels Mm -hmm. but the book doesn't really describe much about the actual environment they Mm -hmm. say there's waters that go on forever
1: in either direction Mm -hmm. not much past that Um, so I think that Again, the way that we see death, I think maybe uh, maybe at the very end of the book when Sabriel dies, that's mm-hmm. when we're seeing death as she's kind of accepting it. She's mm-hmm. like, "Okay, like yeah, I'm exhausted. I just like want to go where the water carries me," um, and that's really maybe one of the only acceptances of death we see in there because the book is all about things rejecting death and really you know fighting against death's pull. Uh, so we only ever see the river, you know, including Sabriel, her job is to go into death constantly and not die. Yeah. So, you know, she always sees death as this thing that she's trying to hold her spirit back from. Right. Uh, so I think that that's part of the reason why we see death as th- just this, in my opinion, when I was reading it, I see it as a very, um, cold, mm-hmm. um, frightening, uh, definitely hazy place, just green waters I see that a go on eternally. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this strong cold current, I hate cold water. I hate cold water <laughs> so much. Madeline doesn't like bodies of water of any kind. <laughs> let's, let's get real here. <laughs> they freak me out. So uh, it really reminds me of that feeling that I would get if Grace were to say, let's, um go swimming in the ocean <laughs> <laughs> which is something that i i've said before because i like to do it yeah as most humans do not me and you just look into this expanse of water and feel this deep horror in the pit of your stomach because like oh my god what what is in there and it's cold when it swir- swirls around your ankles and there's like particles of stuff in there and, like You know, you don't know because it's murky, you can't see in it, but you know, you know that there's a lot of stuff in the water because it's, you know, the frigging ocean or in this case, death. And there's like all kinds of nasty stuff dwelling around. Um, So, wow. So, yeah, (laughs) that is incredibly different from how
0: (laughs) I picture it. Um, and I can't help but place it in a forest every time I imagine it. I can't oh, help so but put, um, trees and rocks in there.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, which is my brain betraying the book's description, which I, d- I do a lot.
1: I definitely think of it as like this frightening, like sand, like this kind of frozen or like swirling cold mm. sand on the bottom since I think of it as like oh, constantly I, I shifting. See, and I see
0: like a nice pebbled floor. Wow. <laughs> that's so interesting that you started talking about your ocean fear because i I guarantee that's why our visions are shaped
1: yeah so differently Mm -hmm. i'm afraid of living water i'll go in pools but like i can't even close my eyes in pools because then i'm like
0: oh god there's there's sharks (laughs) well and maybe it also says something about me that i see it
1: as a kind of relaxing place which i've said a few times now that's just interesting to me that you're getting that because I just don't see it that way in the book.
0: I really overall like the idea of a crossroads of some kind or just a transition, a transitional place
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, between two extremes like life and death. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's... Being
1: and oblivion.
0: Right. Right. Existence and lack of existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and... It feels to me like I also want to add a natural element um, mm-hmm. because that reminds me of decomposition and like just kind of moving through a life cycle mm-hmm. and going back back to nature i guess so i'm taking a very earth-centric view yeah mine i think is a lot
1: more Mm -hmm. um affected by that universe and that's Mm -hmm. why i see like the magic going back into the free magic yours
0: is way more accurate (laughs) for sure
1: (laughs) but that's wonderful and i always have problems with this when i read fantasy i interpret things the way i want to well yours reminds me so much of like I mean, that sounds straight out of a Zelda game. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like it's like Twilight it, Princess. Yeah,
0: it does. All right, we're back. We just took a little break to talk about snacks. <laughs> Important things. And, you know, it brings me to a recurring segment I'd like to try out for the podcast. Um, we both love food more than... Almost anything else. I mean, I'll speak for myself and say that food is my greatest pleasure in life. Um, Reading is a close second. (laughs) So I always get really excited about fantasy food, um, just pretend food of any kind, uh, like fantastical spreads with incredible buffets that are, you know, eternally refilling pan's labyrinth type stuff (laughs) without the
1: The horrifying monster monster.
0: Uh, what is his name I can't come over that okay um so I wanted to talk about the pretend food Mm -hmm. in Sabriel is it delicious is it disgusting was there not enough (laughs) let's get into it um my one of my first notes was that Sabriel had handmade toffee when she was first entering the old kingdom. Yeah. And it was something that she ate when she first was losing energy and getting too cold. And it also gums her mouth up at one point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Um, but then after the handmade toffee, there is a long dry spell. I mean I, I I wasn't I wasn't totally happy with the amount of food
1: I think this <laughs> falls into uh, <laughs> was there not enough? There wasn't enough. There really well, wasn't enough. To be fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like on the trail. I know she for was most hard, of the book, so, questing and it, almost yeah. the entire time. And it talks about her trail food. It doesn't ignore that. No, it, do- it, it doesn't that about like they eat,
0: which I appreciate because I hate it when there are people meat. who seem to never consume anything or sleep it's not or, acceptable I mean there's not a lot of talk about defecating but even adventurers have to poop I mean these kinds of things need to be
1: mentioned yeah I'm trying to remember if they talk about it in this, like digging a latrine or anything no remember. and there's no waste well I assume that they are just like I don't know just pooping in the bottom of that hole <laughs> like know, that they get stuck be.
0: in there must be a corner that has horrible refuse in it but, but I don't know um so anyways, back to food. <laughs> <laughs> it's all connected. When she's at the abhorsen's house, the servants do give her fish. Yes. Those strange, strange, strange servants. Absolutely terrifying. I mean, the there's also mention of them like poking and prodding her when they bathe her. No, and like taking a, off her clothes like, and washing shoving her in her into breasts the tub. and yeah. things yeah. It's upsetting. It, I would yeah. I would not be into it. I would be very upset. But I mean Sabriel takes these things in stride. And I guess when you are and a like monarch sexless, of some kind, like, magical, like you get more attention from servants. And yeah. They're used to this kind of thing. And but. they're like magical summonings. Yeah, not, yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. not people. Mm-hmm. So it does make a difference. Um so the the other food note that I made was just I need to here, can you hand me the book? Um page 320. That's a weird stew. Um, <laughs> just gonna check what was in that stew this is when they are staying at the inn um, ah. later yeah. in the journey when Sabriel hears some people having
1: sex on the other side of the room and she thinks that Touchstone is For having some sex reason. with someone <laughs> but no you know what? It totally reminds me of being a teenager it's and totally. <laughs> like just hearing or seeing something and being like oh, it's the person I like <laughs> cheating on me <laughs> Be like, what? <laughs> no, it's yeah.
0: It makes so much sense. But, the jumps that
1: young minds make. <laughs> you no, know, it's truly
0: really incredible that having known Touchdown, Touchstone, Touchstone, Touchstone <laughs> for the amount of time that she has, ever thinking that he would engage in any kind of physical activity with anyone. <laughs> I mean, Alone this is a man like who a refuses to not uh... Yeah, like a sexy maid. <laughs> um, this is a man who won't give himself a Christian name. Yeah, I mean. Okay another question I know I'm going off on a long Tangent and I will get back to the words too, But what do you think the modern day Equivalent of touchstone is because People keep saying that's a fool's name Like that can't be your name so it's like a court Jester name is it like that's what I assumed Fool to mean so literally it would yeah, be fool. A, Like if we found Someone and took Them into our care and they just kept Insisting Bozo oh my, my gosh I was Bozo. about to say Bozo <laughs> Okay, we sense. grew up together. <laughs> <laughs> I, a lot of people also don't know who Bozo is. Um, it's pretty frightening. Bozo the Clown originated from Chicago Area Public Access TV. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I learned this because one day my boyfriend, after I like, casually mentioned Bozo, looked at me with confusion and just oh. said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Hmm. Um, and Bozo would have kids come on the show and just engage in like different games you could win prizes Bozo Buckets was the most exciting part where you threw balls into increasingly further away buckets and then you'd win what was in the bucket
1: I wasn't good at Bozo Buckets so. <laughs> we, we tried I wasn't like on at, the show at block parties in the Chicago suburbs Bozo yeah, Buckets were a bucket mainstay they're always Bozo Buckets and I would like barely get into the first one and like my dad would convince the people to give me like a little plastic animal out of pity <laughs> Our dad has always been disappointed that we weren't more athletic. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't even do the pose
0: of buckets. And here we are with a reading podcast. <laughs> All right. So I found the stew. It is okay. As soon as the last dish, a squid stew with garlic, barley, yellow squash, and tarragon vinegar Uh-oh. was cleared. The present reasserted itself. That sounds bad. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was just trying to... Squid and (laughs) barley? (laughs) Like, it's rubbery
1: against mushy. Just, no. You know, I would not eat that. I would be like, no, Mogget can eat that.
0: And earlier on the page, Touchstone and Sabriel share the bath. That was something that made me pause. But then like later there's like an extensive explanation of how the water was switched out for the two of them. Do you remember that? Well, it's all unimportant, but it's the kind of thing where I mean, it, it makes sense that they would share the same bathwater. Yeah. They're travelers
1: together but on a journey. But it's not a situation where it's, like, a Japanese-style bath no. and you guys shower beforehand and then go right. for a nice soak. Like, they are disgustingly they are filthy. Horrifying. <laughs>
0: I'm, I would be surprised if they weren't in a comical, like, having to scrape the mud away from their eyes. Like, situation a place I've been. <laughs> yeah, it's, at that point, they've been through a lot. Um, okay, closing pretend food segment... I think our overall rating is squid stew. I mean, yeah, <laughs> uh, is this a rating on uh, like a scale of a scale of handmade toffee to squid stew? How satisfying was the food in this book? Uh, I like
1: pretty close to squid stew, but you know what? I, I really appreciate that they talked about food at least they didn't yeah. leave food out. And they even uh, Mr. Nix has created some upsetting dishes, but he did create dishes nonetheless. Maybe it's an Australian dish. Hmm. Uh, Garth Nix is Australian. Grace found out. Did some <laughs> Maybe research. we just sound like idiots right now. <laughs> so, Grace found out. <laughs> it's an exquisite Australian. We don't know. In Australians,
0: now. let us know. We'll, we'll Google it. Is Garth Nix pulling from life? Is Australia connected to the dead world? I've never been. Maybe it is.
1: Do Australians pass into uh, a realm of rivers when they
0: die? Maybe it's something that you can't tell the rest of us about. But if it is, but or...
1: that like bums me out. Like, don't don't exclude us from. this. Okay, let's let's talk about Mugen. <laughs> my favorite character. One of my very favorite, my favorite characters, characters ever. In any. Book. I was gonna say fantasy series, but let's I, go with book. Yeah, I would say everything. Book, I mean, show, game.
0: Just you. it is great. Have kind of co-opted Mugget in so many different. That's true. Ways and just s- so I many still different areas say his
1: name, like to this day. Yeah, just enjoy him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I a question I wrote for myself is, does Garth Nix love cats or mm. hate cats? But Upon finishing the book,
1: I think it's love. Indeed, and I think that all those who love cats, of course, kind of hate them. Oh, absolutely. But if you you have a cat
0: in your life, it has pissed you off. And
1: literally (laughs) pissed on you, perhaps. (laughs)
0: Pissed (laughs) upon you. (laughs) Mugget is the perfect sidekick. Mugget doesn't... Care about the feelings of those around him, mm-hmm. but he is a genius. He's so helpful. Um, he is. He possesses greater power than anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and without Moggit, they would have died a few different times. She I would mean, have Touchstone died. And Sabriel together would have died. Sabriel would have died in the abhorsen's house she wouldn't have known how to leave
1: she wouldn't have known she wouldn't have how have known to raise the, the paper
0: or or use the water yeah, yeah
1: those like creepy um, spirit summonings mm-hmm. they would not have been able to tell her mm-hmm. because they can't like talk her i don't know maybe they would have but Mugget like knew what was going on cuz he's sworn to serve the abhorsen mhm mm-hmm. um, i just i
0: love their dialogue their back and forth so much mm-hmm. it really um, it really adds something of fun to the book, which is typically very lonely. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there's a lot of internal stuff. Yeah. Sabriel is isolated in this quest. Incredibly there's no so. one who, can, who yeah. can help her. She is the She's, abortion. She took on the title. Like, that's it.
1: And once there's one of her, there's no others. Right. So it's just by nature a lonely, lonely thing.
0: Um, but having Mugget there to be like, what is wrong with you? Just all the time.
1: It's just such a fun mix. It's a of, really good dynamic. Uh, and also just within Mugget himself, like this mm-hmm. crazy, terrifyingly powerful, ancient amalgamation of magic yeah. being that like, does have some sort of affection mm-hmm. for Sabriel. Most definitely, but also curses the Abhorsens mm-hmm. for imprisoning him. But without that, you know you see him when he gets unbound he's really struggling at first between Mm -hmm. like this affection and then like no i want to kill you yeah so you know it's just so crazy and then he's like this adorable little white cat so cute like eats fishes and (laughs) just hangs out around sabriel's neck pukes (laughs) up
0: a key when it's useful
1: (laughs) cats cats do puke many things but i've never (laughs) seen a cat puke a key
0: no Mugget is so delightful, and the combination of Sabriel, Touchstone, and Mugget, Mm -hmm, um, while Sabriel is constantly frustrated with the dynamic, it's so much fun as a reader, Mm -hmm. because you can see how frustrated they all are, Um, and uh, just Touchstone's ongoing um, subservience mm-hmm. and uh, Mugget is so mean to Touchstone oh he's so awful to him he really just rides that. yeah <laughs> but it's also because Mugget knows he was there what Touchstone did yeah he saw it Um, with his and I mean it that situation was very complicated. Yeah,
1: and I don't think that touchdown was actually too much in the wrong. Even no, it was just kind of happenstance.
0: I agree. I think it's like it was like also
1: going to happen anyways.
0: Right. It's it's it was such a mess. Um, I mean, Roger had <laughs> so effectively spl- like splintered the family members to a place where he could accomplish this Mm -hmm. i mean he set it up so carefully
1: and he'd already murdered a number of other family members it's
0: really strange that he didn't murder touchstone isn't it or is it explicitly because he might need his blood later so uh, sorry i read this a month ago um i'm missing some of the details this
1: is i think a somewhat murky part of the book because Mm -hmm. he talks about how he doesn't end up how he doesn't know how he ended up wooden at the front of that ship. Right. And do we ever, like... I'm, I'm sure that we get a reference to what actually happened, but I don't know if it's very clear.
0: It's not. And I, I think part of it is Maybe just, he was
1: he's preserved so that he could... Uh, I don't remember. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and I, I think part of the inherent difficulty is we don't spend very much time with Roger. I mean, we don't ever really learn too much Mm -hmm. about his plans, Mm -hmm. his motivation. I mean, outside of the just, Oh, I want to be all powerful Mm -hmm. and evil and unleash the dead and the living world. I mean, he's not, he's not the best villain, uh, but this book isn't really about him. It's about yeah. Sabriel learning
1: how to do her job. It's about Sabriel and her world, and he just kind of exists as the pressing force mm-hmm. making her need to learn mm-hmm. so quickly.
0: Yeah. He, I mean, he provides a central conflict that's really important. Mm-hmm. And and he's not. It would have been sided. frustrating if there were more time spent on him because I, I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's, at times, it's hard for me to even care about Touchstone, so <laughs> I really don't care about his <laughs> evil brother. Um, and in talking about Touchstone, I do you think it's realistic that Sabriel is so drawn to him? Like, do you think it makes sense that she ultimately is so attracted to him and eventually marries him? I mean, that's not in
1: this book. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts on him? So, first of all, she's been at an all-girls school for... <laughs> What, like her entire life? Yeah. <laughs> that's true. And she definitely
0: is already um, kind of eyeing the soldiers yeah. at the beginning of mm-hmm. the
1: book when she goes to the wall and they all get described by like how handsome uh, yeah. they are. <laughs> and I I just don't even think that she's had any sexual experience no. like if she's ever no, like so. kissed a boy or how? like yeah, how yeah, would that ever right? happen? Exactly. So that's not to say that, you know, It's not real, but I'm just saying, like... Yeah, and I mean, I hadn't kissed a boy by 18, so... Well, and just, like, it doesn't make it not real. I didn't fall
0: in love with the first guy I went on (laughs) a life-threatening quest with. (laughs) But
1: Touchstone, uh,
0: from the start, I think his physical attractiveness is emphasized. Well, but when she first
1: sees him, it says, like, he wasn't hot but it doesn't say that exactly <laughs> but it wasn't hot but he had a good body
0: <laughs> and as the book mentions he is circumcised yeah. they explicitly point that out in yeah. this really bizarre way i know that it is and i keep calling Garthnix they which is the overlords mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> the gods that the creators <laughs> brought sabriel into <laughs> our lives um I know that it's supposed to be a show of how detailed the statue is, so that Sabriel realizes that it is a human, mm-hmm. not a man-made statue. Yeah. But the circumcision, I think
1: it's because Sabriel has little to no experiences with male genitalia. Has she
0: seen a penis before? Maybe in like exactly
1: statues. so Other it, or non-living like, statues? Maybe. <laughs> but or like in paintings and stuff or like whatever. And so now she sees an actual human for the first time. And she's like, oh, what's wrong with this penis? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's okay. That's That why actually makes I a lot of that sense. That they said it that way. Yeah. Because she was like looking a lot and being like, oh,
0: wow. Sorry. I'm trying to find the page on which mm-hmm. he is described very quickly.
1: Um, but they do describe him as like. I don't know, looking steadfast or reliable or something. I don't know. I just really felt like it was a reversal of the normal um, gender, binary, male, female dichotomy, Mm -hmm. like in a fantasy novel, like the, or, you know, a traditional one, at least, Mm -hmm. of certain sect of them where the man rescues woman, woman becomes totally dependent on man, uh, they fall in love because they appreciate their roles and it like works for them or whatever. Yeah. And here it's kind of flipped. Mm-hmm. Like they're really helping each other. But I mean, Seyrel totally saved She pulled him out of death. He was like, yeah. he was wooden. He was, he was a statue. There was no, <laughs> no moving forward.
0: Yeah. And who else could have saved him? Mm-hmm. I think the Abhorizen had to save him. Mm-hmm. And then Seyrel did need him for very key information mm-hmm. about how to handle just Roger
1: going
0: on yeah I now I just delight in calling him Roger I feel like we're stripping him of all his power Roger Roger <laughs> um, okay I found the passage where she sees him which exp- answers some of her questions Sabriel blushed a little for it was an exact likeness as if a young man had been transformed from flesh to wood and her only prior experience of naked men was in clinical cross-sections from biology textbooks okay yeah. Okay. So that explains a lot. Yes. Um, yeah, I do, uh, I do in the end understand their relationship. Um, I, I get why it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but what bothered me is that they so quickly tell, you know, I don't think they say I
1: love you to each other but, but they, they know both that they acknowledge in the narrative yeah. that mm-hmm. they love one another I was going to bring that up too because it really was only mm-hmm. a span of days mm-hmm. trauma really brings people close together no though. I know
0: it does um, it really does but one of my personal pet peeves with fictional romances mm-hmm. is how quickly they go from like, love blossoms yeah, like, and I hate you to oh, I love you I just don't think that um, it's healthy for us to have these depictions of love as something that can be so so spring fast. to life when you've known someone yeah. for a few weeks. For mm-hmm. um, them, really, it was a few days. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it was incredibly mm-hmm. short. Well, how long were they in the cave, though, for? Like a couple days, tops. It feels longer. Just because Sabril hates all their dinners together. It felt longer
1: to them, too. (laughs) You're right. Petulantly eaten silence. Um, It might have been a week, but really, that doesn't make any difference, does it?
0: No, it doesn't. No, that's the thing. And we all define love differently, but for me, you need to completely know a person and who that person is to love them. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you see it all and you accept it all.
1: And. I, uh, but you know, maybe definitely, had never even seen a naked man before. She w- had not been in love. Touchstone, no. I, probably in a similar boat. Maybe. Yeah, he's probably. I don't know. Maybe he had, had, had like look-ups. He was royal like a lady friends, prince. Yeah, he was like a bastard prince, though. True. Yeah. True. But it, is, so yeah. that makes it even more likely that he had some yeah. lady friends. Yeah. Um. But anyways, uh, he doesn't seem like. He's slept around a (laughs) lot.
0: You, on a slight tangent, had an interesting note about him being the bastard son of the queen when we talked about the book a couple weeks ago, right? About how he was born out of wedlock Mm -hmm. um, by the queen, but there wasn't, you know, nobody took her off the throne or, like, excommunicated her.
1: What I really loved is that... Bloodline, mm-hmm. as opposed to if you go back into our, um, you know, medieval kings and queens. If you want to think about it, obviously our s- society is patriarchal, and it was then too. Uh, so you'd have a king who had bastards, mm-hmm. and uh, queens didn't have bastards because weren't you know, that wasn't really a thing. Um, so I just liked that the really the only exposure we have to a royal family here was that, of course, the bloodline could be carried on um, by a woman. I just really appreciated that the touchstone was still on the bloodline, even though he was the queen's bastard. I
0: agree. I thought that was really cool. It is really cool. Mm. And it perfectly brings us to another recurring segment. This one is the badass lady meter. Mm. Um, And just kind of want to talk about if this book made you feel good to be a woman Obviously, the answer is easy for Sabriel, <laughs> um, but for some others, it's a little trickier. Uh, but yeah, I think, I mean, I think a lot of reading fantasy novels as a kid for me was trying to find an escape from some of the pressures I was already feeling to be a specific kind of girl, yeah. because mm-hmm. I was, um, I was a big tomboy like I wore giant men's t-shirts with leggings every day and pulled my hair straight back into a harsh ponytail and just really struggled with being feminine um, or feeling like femininity was a positive thing
1: for you Mm -hmm. yeah
0: Um, and books like this helped a lot Mm -hmm. Um, and Sabril in particular is as we've mentioned again and again a an incredibly strong capable intelligent and commanding character Mm -hmm. um and she's really in control even though she is just an
1: 18 year old girl Mm -hmm. but see at the time that i read it i was definitely a lot younger than 18 Mm -hmm. so to me it was one of those um just really exciting like this is a person that i could aspire to Mm -hmm. be because she was still young she wasn't like a, you know, a woman that would have been really hard for me to relate to as a young girl. Um, but no, yeah, I, I definitely know what you mean. She she just impressed me so much. I thought she was so cool. And I I also <laughs> this is, you know, totally fabricated in my own mind, but I always imagined that I looked like her. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, you have the like long flowing dark hair and pale skin
1: what i was going for
0: madeline looks like sabriel everybody yeah (laughs) get with it and if you picture her picture her looking like the sabriel on the cover of our book which i will i will share a photo of on our twitter i guess we're still figuring this out but um then you can just kind of see which edition we were breeding as kids because i feel like that makes a big difference to Mm -hmm. the cover art yes very um, just in the way that you picture everything within a book not just a character
1: absolutely and we'll share a picture of the map too yes we will <laughs> so
0: i feel like this book could be the the high bar right what we, as- just what so we aspire good. to reach with with all others so
1: she takes care of everything so so hard just like takes it all totally
0: She's she's the boss. I also really appreciate her irritation with Touchstone whenever he's trying to carry things for her, do things for her, mm-hmm. um, because I feel that irritation a lot also, um, and I just don't. want You mean just to, to, at
1: men in general when they just being
0: placed in a gender role? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And when someone Touchstone.
1: like runs ahead of you to hold the door mm-hmm. or something yeah. like, and it's a man, then it's just like. Don't, don't do that. I was gonna life. hold the door for you <laughs> because I mind. was in front of you. Like, I like opening you? doors. Yeah, <laughs> I like
0: it. It feels good. Um, yeah, just what, you know, those million little things every day that make you feel a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Touchstone, it is also his um, servant role that he's placed on himself. So mm-hmm. it's a few yeah. different things there. But but I, I just really appreciate the way she handles absolutely everything. And yeah. that I, I don't think that their side. Their society is patriarchal, as yeah. we've discussed, mm-hmm. because when Sabriel first shows up to the wall, um, and it's just her with a ton of soldiers, mm-hmm. there isn't any comment of like, oh, this girl, like, exactly, she can't which go really over there appreciate. by herself. It like,
1: mm-hmm. who is she? who's this little girl?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's concern about her not being like powerful enough, which is just you know but they that's would have just about any yeah. adolescent. Mm-hmm. But there, there is a really refreshing lack of gendering in this book, and. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. It's really impressive. Go, Garth. Yay. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Badass Lady Meter, it is a Sabriel. (laughs) Yeah. Achieved Sabriel status. good job. (laughs) Good job, Sabriel. (laughs) She's at the bar. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, So it's clear that women are amazing in this book. Mm -hmm. What is not so clear is how the great charter works mm. um, mentioned this earlier in the episode I was reading this book closely and I, I was an English major in college. Like I'm
1: Grace accustomed a close to like,
0: analyzing works of fiction and there's not, there's not a clear depiction of why the charter exists why it can't be discussed that in is, that is certain places at certain times the, by adults. Yeah. Um, but then over running water it's all it's like the ocean. Yeah, over the ocean. Sorry. Yeah, the running water uh-huh. is the dead. Yeah. Um, and also how is any education any magical education passed on if adults can't speak of the Charter.
1: Well, it seems like they need books, right? They need books with Charter spells in them. And I think they can speak about so. the Charter. They just can't get into, like, the central mythology behind it.
0: I guess so. But doesn't that just breed, like, a society of
1: I mean, yeah, it's weird. Confusion. It's weird for sure. I'm not trying to say that it's, like... Like, we do this, but we don't know why. No, I mean... I did it's like feel me like trying to understand calculus. Oh god. <laughs> um, I I did feel like there was some purposeful obfuscation mm-hmm. of just like we don't want to get into this because there isn't time, it's not really what mm-hmm. it's about like but it is also very true that in certain books I've read um, I don't want to pick on anyone but I uh, they explain the magic system too much and it becomes like they're trying to explain it all the way down on a scientific level. And at some point suddenly you back away and you're like, wait, but we're talking about magic. Mm -hmm. Like if you really try to say exactly where and how it's coming from, it's going to all fall apart completely Mm -hmm. because it's, it's magic. That's, yeah, that's the whole <laughs> point. It's not science. It's not it explainable. can't be broken down. Yeah. Right. So I appreciate and, that. And that is
0: a tricky dynamic. Yeah. I mean, you have to mm-hmm. find a way to build your own, as a writer, a fantasy writer, build mm-hmm. your own magical world um, and your own force. But then you also have to leave aspects of it, you know, in the ether. Seems swirling. Right. Right. Exactly.
1: And I think that so that's, I, I,
0: I'm definitely being harsh. Oh, no. But yeah. I. Um, it, it just especially being unable to discuss it in certain times and places it's was just weird. like and, and it's awkward too in the narrative you know to just mm-hmm. be like oh uh, I can't <laughs> I can't talk about it <laughs> I can't talk about it <laughs> like maybe for you know when it first, well, first with mugget, thought it was a mugget thing because that makes sense. of it's like yeah. binding or his his curse, under yeah. a spell yeah but for
1: all others that was it's not weird yeah a little, little more confusing um but I did just want to add quickly to that, that it does make sense to me. And I do like the system of having free magic, like ungoverned magic running through everything. And then the charter is the ordered magic that's much mm-hmm. safer. And that was originated by these sort of, you know, ancient prophets or whatever. Um, and their bloodlines still run. Like, I did like that You're absolutely system. right. That was yeah, really that's cool. something that I overlooked.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And that duality does make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. No, overall, as a magical system, I'm into it. Mm-hmm. I but like the making the marks with your hands. I mean, mm-hmm. it actually brings me right into the next point I wanted to discuss. Um, because I think so many of the visuals of this book are so arresting. Mm-hmm. And I'm really surprised that it hasn't been adapted into a movie. Yeah, but I'm also pretty
1: glad it hasn't.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I I know. But, you know, Hollywood has no shame in destroying all of our other childhood memories. So I'm just just surprised that it hasn't happened yet. I think it's too
1: dark. That, yeah. That's way too dark. That's what I think, too. Even, you know, if you're talking about, like, I assume people listening know what The Hunger Games is. Like, you know vaguely what The Hunger Games is. And, of course, it's like a dystopia, so it's quite dark as well. But it's not literally about death. Mm-hmm. It's about trying to save, like, people and stuff mm. on, you know, in this plane of living. Like, this book and these series are about dying. They're about slogging around in death and, like, these horrifying zombie creatures. Like, I think it's just too dark. No, I I agree. And I, I think that conceptualizing
0: the dead would be... Really difficult, um, and the end result would not be pretty. I mean, obviously not pretty, but if they were going to adapt it for the books audience, faithfully, I think they would have that, to be
1: horrifying. Like it would have to, like, be a PG thirteen rating, and I thought I. I don't think that this book could be done well without being an R rating, but it would only be R for horror. Right. Which is yeah. not something that no <laughs> movies are made. Like, there's <laughs> no nudity. There's no violence. Like, well, like, wow. there's fantasy violence. It's just mm-hmm. so horrifying, you It know? would be
0: really interesting to see what kind of audience an R-rated fantasy horror film would attract. But, um, I um, yeah, I mean... If this movie were Mm -hmm. well-adapted, if this book were well-adapted into a movie, it would be so cool.
1: Yeah, it'd be really cool.
0: But we're just used to having our hopes dashed rather than fulfilled.
1: So don't make a movie of it,
0: anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make the... Hobbit Sabriel, please, please just leave it alone. <laughs> I did. Garth Nix's website says that he's been in talks um, for adapting it before, but that nothing's ever come of it. Okay. And I think people probably also get weighed down by a fantasy series um, mm-hmm. because unless it already has unbelievable popularity, like Hunger Games yeah. or Harry Potter mm-hmm where you know that you're going to make money on the franchise by adapting each of the books. Um, I feel like a lot of studios yeah, just aren't that interested, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, maybe we can maybe we can create our own. <laughs> yeah, that'll go well with puppets. <laughs> oh, yes. The Mordecats will be so cute. We'll just soak them <laughs> in gasoline and then we'll light them on fire. we go through a lot of those guys. Okay, so we touched on some of the romance between Touchstone and Sabril, and mentioned that there was sex in the book, which, you know, secondhand sex. Heard
1: through a wall by Sabriel. Oh, okay, but they right. definitely. I was just bang, giving Grace like, some <laughs> looks because I was like, "What on earth is she talking
0: about?" <laughs> just it's
1: too random. Very brief. Too yeah, random. They talk about store. like giggles and moans and bed springs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's
0: it's very. Um, it's very tame. Yeah. But, but it is in
1: the book. You're right. You're right. But um, I remember- Which is a big step for like a YA fantasy book. So, and I include. remember when I was little, um, just not really comprehending, just being like, oh, they're taking yeah. a bath together and then they went to bed. No. <laughs> exactly. And that's why- Why is she so upset? <laughs> that's why-
0: Rereading, I think, a lot of these yeah. fantasy novels, uh-huh. um, we're going to have these moments of, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, as a child, d- I mean, did not understand time. anything, yeah. I did not want to learn. I mean, into my teen years, was pretty did pretty not want up, to learn about sexuality, yeah. sex, any related activities. Um, so this, I'm just calling this segment Sexual Awakening Factor, mm. and it asks whether this book contributed to any, like, adolescent stirrings. <laughs> um, because I think a lot of these books that are aimed at young women do
1: include some
0: titillating yeah. scenes mm-hmm. and character yeah, moment and scenes. moments. Um, no, I
1: don't remember being... I think that I... Part of the thing is, I read this book when I was like really young. Right. You were yeah, older. I'm I'm three years older than Madeline. Yeah. So some
0: of these books that we read concurrently, we were, we were approaching places. from pretty different places yeah. in
1: life. Uh huh. Um But yeah, a lot of ones I like as I did get older, I remember being pissed if I got all the way into the novel and there was I was like, there was, there was no like hot scene. <laughs> no. What's, there's nothing sexy in this book. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do some Tamora Pierce books
0: and <laughs> those books are hot. <laughs> they get sexy. Um, Sabral is not hot.
1: No. No. <laughs> it's quite clinical in the way that it approaches no, sex absolutely. for the most part, which, is, you know, it goes with the theme of the book, I think. Oh, it makes it so much sense. Yeah. It's not what the book
0: is concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, it did not create any stirrings in me no. as a, you know, 13-year-old when I first read it.
1: I, even when they uh, explicitly mentioned the circumcised penis, I right. remember just being like, <gasps> No, I, I <laughs> penis. Yeah, no, I, I think
0: that at that age, Gross. the word penis, my eyes probably just automatically yeah, pass like, over. Like, nope, don't even. <laughs> just hit the delete button yeah. on that one. Well, so summing up, um, I think we've covered everything I feel really strongly about with Sabriel. Mm-hmm. Um, were there any other points you had that you wanted to discuss? Because um, this book, I mean, this was like Madeline's favorite book for yeah. a while. Mm-hmm. I loved it too, but it really impacted your life.
1: One small thing that I really enjoy that I wanted to say again about Mugget is that... <laughs> okay, enough <laughs> Mugget, Mugget talk uh, is if you have read the book hell's moving castle yes um mugget is a very kindred spirit to calcifer in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and i just really enjoyed that comparison um, on the topic of our last topic that we were just discussing um these like l- captive spirits that are really helpful and like care about the people around them that are keeping them captive in a weird way but also like want to be free and like yeah, I just wanted to make that. And they're really adorable. Yeah, they're
0: so <laughs> endearing, all while being terrifying. powerful. Yeah, demons. And ready to break out of their current forms. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you just, you know, take the collar off or <laughs> what is... Ki- well, okay, He's we're going to... He's a we're gonna, demon
1: that ate Hal's heart.
0: No, no, right. But what's his means to freedom? We're going to do Hell's Moving Castle <laughs> <laughs> in a future episode. and And this will be discussed then it will be fresh in our brains and we won't be having these fun asides where we try to come up with house moving castle plot points speaking of a book that has a fantastic film made of it yes all in due time (laughs) so Sabriel we love we hope you love it too (laughs) and we hope that this discussion has helped you think a little bit about how it's maybe impacted your life or it's been important to
1: you or just how
0: you've uh, enjoyed it made things a little bit brighter Mm a little bit better yeah because it certainly did for us Mm -hmm. so until next week this is grace and this is madeline and we're dragon babies Bye bye if you'd like to learn more about Dragon Babies, you can find us online at dragonbabiespodcast.com. The site is under development, but it will be ready for perusing very soon. We're also on Twitter at pod That's the first syllable of podcast. The music in this podcast is Pippin the Hunchback by Kevin MacLeod. It's licensed under the Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license, and you can find his music at Incompetech.com. Next week, Alana, the First Adventure by Tamora Pierce.